health is about more than just staying fit. And with every year that goes by, I'm becoming more and more fascinated by how what we eat can impact our health and our potential, with a particular focus on gut health and the gut microbiome. It's not just what I eat either, it's how I eat too. It's all connected. That's why I've developed my own number one living drinks brand. Number One Living is based on this idea, the simple notion that by putting our well-being first and improving the quality of what we put into our bodies, we get more out of life. My range of kombucha drinks are full of bacterial life cultures, designed for a happy and healthy gut. They're sugar-free, vegan and naturally sourced, so you can feel great on the inside and enjoy life on the outside. Choose from refreshing raspberry, passion fruit or our award-winning ginger and turmeric kombucha. The number one living range is widely available in Sainsbury's, Holland and Barrett's and Boots stores and online at numberoneliving.com. Grab yours today. Okay, on with the show. Charles Eisenstein is a really interesting guy, someone with a very different and humble way of seeing things that holds, I feel, big possibilities for our planet and for ourselves. He was really open and unassuming as well, which made him so easy to connect with. Despite his busy schedule, traveling around the world, helping people through his talks and his thought-provoking exchanges and ideas, he found the time to chat with me. And we discussed a whole load of stuff. I can't wait for you to hear it on Thursday in the Guest Interview Podcast. If I had to pick out the bit that's really stuck with me though above all the other fantastic parts, then it would be the discussion around the liberating power of humiliation and its very important role in our growth and in the unlocking of human potential. Charles Eisenstein describes it this way. What can puncture that bubble of false belief very often is called humiliation. It's, <laughs> which is something we try to avoid at all costs, but it's actually yeah. a good thing if it yeah. makes you humble, if it gives you humility, that's what humiliation is. And when that happens, then you know that you don't know. Whereas before you didn't know that you didn't know. And when you know that you don't know that empty space that unknowing is kind of like a psychic vacuum that allows authentic knowledge to come in. And you consider things that you'd never considered before. This concept, it shakes me to the, to the core. It's so relevant for me as an individual. I'm going to delve a little more into it in today's build up episode. Something that's arising quite a lot in these iron podcasts with many of the guests we're interviewing is this notion that it's our own ideas and beliefs that determine the limits of what we can actually perceive and experience in life these big conclusions that we make and the stuff that we gather or deduce from what we go through quite quickly becomes a large part of how we identify and recognize ourselves we hear people all the time, and I've been one of them in the past, talking about who I am is just a result of all I've been through and learned from my experiences. But it's how we see life from that. It becomes skewed by this individual bias. We've also heard before how our beliefs interpret our situation in ways that serve themselves. So these things we're holding onto, they're programmed to self-reinforce and solidify. And when we identify with them, it's then, I guess, that we start trying to survive and strengthen who we are through everything we experience. It almost becomes automatic behavior, just reactivity. And by reacting this way, we end up agreeing to that conditioning within us. We go to bat for all these things we've accumulated and inherited, all the limits within us. As a child, I remember I struggled quite uh, severely with the concept of death. 
I feel we all do on some level. Through my immature and the best understanding I had of religion at the time, naive as it might have been, I bought fully into what I figured was the only viable solution to this conundrum, and that was perfectionism. A spotless, all-singing-and-dancing CV, that was what was going to get me through those pearly gates and ensure me that everlasting life. It was all there was that could make everything all right. So that meant trying at absolutely everything, working relentlessly, winning at everything, being the best at everything, respecting everyone, never letting anyone down, pleasing everyone, being loved by everyone, etc., etc., etc. Impossible. And I failed all the time, time and time again. And every time I did fail, I just felt that same desperation, panic, depression, helplessness, and that same sense of weakness that I first felt when I met that insurmountable issue of mortality first time round. By looking outwards for resolution to these feelings, by blaming the outside world and its unfairness, I just kept fueling them and the frantic thoughts that were inspired by them. I also kept feeding that underlying belief beneath it all. So I just stayed locked in that same cycle, one in which opportunity just seemed to be decreasing at every turn. I kept believing what I believed, so I kept seeing things the way I saw them. I kept feeling the same way about stuff that was happening to or around me. I kept thinking the same kind of patterns. I kept doing and ultimately creating the same kind of stuff too. It was all taking place so compulsively, so unconsciously, so robotically and machine-like. Passion, excitement, love and joy, they were just being eked out with every step. My experience has shown me, though, it just doesn't matter if I run from my feelings, fight them, try and figure them out, trick them, get rid of them, ignore them. All of this still means me living in survival mode, doing whatever I can to get through and remain unchanged. It doesn't solve these feelings. It doesn't stop them, that's for sure. It just keeps them alive. That issue that I had with death at the beginning, I've come to realize was never actually about death. But essentially, it was about my self-worth. As kids, I think we sense the infiniteness, the, the eternalness within who we are and who we can be. We are in contact with our capacity to creatively respond and handle whatever we encounter. But this shock encounter with something that doesn't fit with that, that disconnected me from this trust, this sense of wholeness. I've tried very hard to fill the new sense of lack and doubt in me, but with stuff from the outside. And everything I've gone after, everything I've achieved, nothing's touched it. Trophies, wealth, status, respect, recognition, power, admiration, whatever it is, even the idea that being remembered for a legacy you leave after you've departed, however that one works, whatever it is, it just doesn't help. These things don't take away our sense of insufficiency. They don't take away our fears or give us answers to situations that we find difficult. I feel like we're becoming obsessed that our power to live freely and joyfully is going to be somehow discovered in what comes after the am in I am. But it's leading us further and further away from the absolute power and potential, the stuff we're really after, that we've heard again people on the podcast talking about so much. What it is we're looking for is where we're looking from. It's always been within us. It's just something we need to remember. 
knocking on the door from the inside, all these things, all this stuff, it belongs to the I. And the I and what comes after the am, they're not different ends of the scale. Those two things exist in completely different universes, different dimensions entirely. So our ideas of who we are, they have to be surrendered so that more of who we really are, our presence, our beauty, our true nature, and ultimately our potential to create our futures, so that that can be experienced and expressed. The big question then is, are we just here living to die, or are we actually willing to die so that we can truly live? I'd always believed that self-belief was a great way to cover over my weaknesses, to cover over some kind of real truth there, to hide it or get rid of it or whatever it was. But I now see from that first encounter with the amazing teacher that is mortality, that beliefs only ever cover over fear. Our fears cover over our vulnerability and our vulnerability underneath that always lies the unknown. In that unknown, however, that's where our growth, our evolution and the secret to all that we can be exists. I guess I'd always thought I was running from something solid, something I, I knew to be true. But I see I've only been hiding from the unknown. The movement from the known to the unknown is humiliation. For me, it's always been a sense of failing, of not being enough, of getting it wrong. But in fact, actually, I think it might be something completely different. As Sadhguru said, whatever we believe or disbelieve, it won't bring us any closer to the truth. Perhaps then a movement into the unknown, this humiliation, is a movement towards truth. By backing the stuff we've already decided in ourselves and standing with it, the unpredictable and the uncontrollable, they seem so frightening. Fear of loss, fear of change, fear of never knowing, it is such a big challenge. But it's also worth remembering that we face it every night. Our ideas of who we are have to completely disappear as we go into deep sleep. And deep sleep offers us some kind of beautiful refreshment that we long for. It's in deep sleep that so much of our growth takes place. Without deep sleep, without this deep rest, we become zombie-like, so absent, so empty, so unalive. And life, I think, is like this for us, very, very much like this for us, when we are not being challenged or humbled. Because when we keep getting everything we want and when everyone keeps agreeing with us and saying yes, when everything on the outside keeps enabling us to stay in that cycle of reactivity and keep getting away with it, we just get to hold on to our limits. We get to remain comfortable. Life loses its color. Life's greatest offerings such as joy, beauty, creativity, playfulness, presence, full involvement, love and all these amazing things, they just remain out of bounds for us. Coming up short, therefore, and seeing that despite the pain and the disappointment of it, that our choice of how we want to be in the next moment remains untarnished, this for me is the opportunity for a vibrant rebirth. Our ability to respond intuitively in that unknown, that's our growth. It's kind of like reacting, but not according to something we've already decided, 
but according to something that we don't yet know we know. Again, talking about people saying potential is something already within us that needs to be remembered. When we meet the unknown in that true sense of vulnerability with curiosity and openness, it's almost like we're delving deeper into a memory beyond who we are right now. This creative intelligence, it belongs to something bigger, the eternal, the never born, never aging, the purely open, unbound, the spontaneous, the inspired, the flowing, the insightful, otherwise known as the higher self or the now version of who we are. And to reveal this now version of who we are, all we need to do is keep shedding the past versions of who we are that veil it. Meeting that situation head on and letting the next move play itself out, letting it come to us through the path of least resistance. In this way, our emotional challenges, I don't think they're asking to be solved so that we can add more and more learnings and beliefs to the pile. I feel like they're pointing at what needs to be let go so that we can touch more of life and of who we're supposed to be. This is the humbling path. It's full of humiliation. It isn't simple or straightforward, but it is, I think, incredibly powerful. My understandings and conclusions about who I am, they've been big players for me. They've been my closest company. It's who I've communicated with in my mind so often for so long. It's who I've gone to for help. It's who stood by me the whole time. I haven't necessarily always liked them, but they stood by me the whole time. They've been all I've ever known. I can't see myself letting them go without a significant push from life's greater intelligence that has bigger plans for me. And this is challenge. But we can't decide our challenges. Otherwise, they're just not challenges. It has to hurt. And we have to react. This whole thing isn't about not reacting. Because reacting, it points us to where the limits are within us. It points us to what's holding us back to the stuff that maybe remains unconscious until we see it and it becomes an opportunity for something more. The question then, once we react, is how long are we going to react for? When are we going to start responding and choosing the unknown instead of reverting back to that old out-of-date story and defending it, the story of who we were, of who we think we are, who we think we need to be always? When are we going to take that big leap Everyone's up for change until it involves them, as my larger-than-life mentor Steve Black used to say. That leap from reactivity to responsibility is in awareness. Awareness is not a reaction. It doesn't serve the old self or its beliefs or ideas. It doesn't even belong to the old self. The capacity to observe our inner sensations and experience them fully without being recruited by them is so powerful. This practice for me is a hugely compassionate one because it pays the ultimate respect for everything that has served us so well to this point, for everything that has helped us along our journey. As we lay to rest our own former selves that have done all they can and given all they are but are just no longer equipped or big enough vessels to house or channel who we are right now. Witnessing with love and truly allowing that fear, anxiety, anger, frustration, helplessness, and doing nothing 
is how we grow from humiliation. In a sporting context or in any other performance context for that matter, this I think is the cultivation of that composed inner environment, the one that's perfect for directing our focus and attention all to exactly what we want to happen next and being so, so ready. This meditative state full of gratitude allows us the space to loosen and dissolve our enslavement to old ideas by welcoming difficult feelings, urges and thoughts and rather than chasing after them or trying to appease them, by actually accepting them, abiding in them and even surrendering to them, gradually we come to realise, I think, innately that there is something unchanging, ever-present and infinitely vast to who we are and our experience. And this cannot be defined or touched by anything on that external physical realm not even death. So if we do keep getting things the way we want them, if we lived forever, how could we touch our potential? Death being the ultimate challenge. We need these challenges so that we can grow and we always grow beyond the challenge. Whatever our idea of why we are here, surely it has to involve revealing more about who we really are. That for me is an endless journey. Our mortality, therefore, is hugely necessary, as is losing, as is unintended outcomes, as is challenge, and as is humiliation. Challenges that we pick and control, they're not challenges at all. Challenge is uncomfortable. It rocks our world. It takes courage. It takes so much even just to turn and face it. But this is the ugly zone, as podcast guest Dave Orwood calls it. The beautiful, ugly zone of growth and improvement. Growth is not a destination, certainly not one we get to pick. It's an adventure, an exploration. It involves constantly bidding farewell and grieving the loss of who we thought we were in the last moment so that we can be all we can be in this next one. All the time, this journey is guided by that unique desire, purpose, calling or meaning within all of us that shines brighter and brighter with each layer of self-importance gloriously removed with each humiliating defeat and setback. Thank you so much to everyone for tuning in. I hope these kind of ideas are, are in some way challenging you and I guess cultivating some kind of response, questions. If they are, send them through, please. Let us know what you're thinking. Let us know what's happening in your world. Let us know whatever's of interest to you so that we can pick up on where to go next with, with these podcasts. At the moment, I'm definitely following my passion and my excitement and I'm absolutely loving it, but I'd love it also to be more and more of a team and inclusive effort. So, uh, please, we've had loads of people talking about what's coming up in them. It's so, so powerful. Do not be afraid to get in touch if it's something that, uh, you feel the impulse to do so. Uh, your contributions and and just even being here on this journey it's it's immense um, I hope you're enjoying it uh, the same way I am I hope you enjoy Thursday's episode which is a belter with Charles Eisenstein let us know if there's any guests as well that you want us to approach to get in touch with uh, we love that kind of direction but more importantly stay well uh, look after yourselves know that you are fantastic exactly as who you are I can't wait to catch up next time when you're dealing with grief sometimes you need a little help 
I'm Claire Bidwell-Smith, and I'm a therapist specializing in grief and loss. I also host New Day. Three times a week, I'm right here, in your earbuds, to give you insight into what you're going through, to give you tips about how to process it, to really help make the hard things in your life a little easier. Search your podcast app for New Day, and join me every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from Lemonada Media.